That's awesome. And uh, one thing that she did say that was wrong was if you have any complaints, don't bring them to me. <laughs> you can hold them till Tuesday. File them at the front office. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. Oh, I'm serious. <laughs> you guys have uh, you've been awesome. Um, what an awesome opportunity is to be able to share the word today. How many is excited to hear the word of God? That's what I like to hear. We're so blessed, so blessed to be in a country, in a nation where we're not hiding. Right? We have a couple with us today that is in a, a country where it's communist and the church is underground for the most part. But I bet it's thriving. I've been out of this country, and the church is thriving. The church is thriving in this country. We are the church. I at one time in my life was pointing my finger a lot at a certain church, and it was the church I was in. And I kept saying, well, I don't know why the church isn't doing this. And I don't know why the church isn't doing that. And I don't know why the church isn't doing this. And the Lord said, Steve, you're the church. And he said, whatever you do, the church does. And whatever you don't do, the church doesn't do. Straighten me out pretty good on that one. So we are the church. Amen. We're the church. Today's message is about Psalm 46. Its title is, God is Our Refuge and Strength. Um, this message came about about a year ago. Um, our cousin's little four-year-old boy at the time was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, that's a, never a good diagnosis, but when it's a four-year-old little boy, that's even worse. And I went to the Lord and just began to pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, what would you, what do you, what is your thought on this? What what do I, I want to be able to bless them and be able to pray for them? And I'd like to be able to give them something from you. And Psalm 46 is what the Lord put in my heart. And as I started studying Psalm 46, um, there's some commentaries that say Psalm 46 was written after a period of uh, history in Israel and Judah that's chronicled in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. It's also in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And it's also in Isaiah 36 and 37. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe if God finds something so important to mention it three times, it's probably important, right? I'm not the sharpest guy, but when I hear the Lord repeat something over and over, it's probably important. Amen? Another thing that I, I, I figure is pretty important is when he says something's the first and the greatest. That's probably important, right? When God Almighty says, this is the first and the greatest commandment, we should probably pay attention to that, right? First, greatest. Those are strong words. How about you as a parent when you repeat yourself to your children? Amen. Are you wanting them to get that point? Yes. We're playing, praying, please get the point. We're threatening, get the point, <laughs> right? So not that God's threatening us, but this is pretty important. So I'm going to try to bring a bunch of chapters, and we're not going to be able to read the whole thing like I'd like to, uh, but we're going to try to tie all this together and, and uh, put a ribbon and a bow on it and make it look all pretty. No, not really. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. Just, 
just so you know. <laughs> but God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 46, if we can have that up on the, the board. I'd like us to read this together. And, and like you mean it. I'm serious. We, we read the word sometimes and we don't take it for what it is. It's the word of God, church. It's powerful. It's the truth. It's alive and active. Amen? For God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Now stop and think about what we just read. For God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Because God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, what are we not going to do? We will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. They nail this point so large that the, the, the psalmist is thinking of what is the worst possible catastrophes, the largest scale stuff that can happen in the earth. Let's put that down and say, this is what we're not going to fear. Right? I mean, it's pretty crazy. The, the verbiage, like, so that if we're not going to fear if the earth shakes so bad, that the mountains like sink into the ground and, and go out into the depths of the ocean and cause the oceans to foam up in rage. Yeah, we're not going to fear that. Are you getting that? Like they're driving a point of, yeah, let's not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. If the mountains give way, not going to fear. That's some determination. Someone gets to that point because they've seen God do some stuff, right? You don't just come up with that with like hopes and whims. The psalmist is going gonna, is gonna to describe some more things, and then he's, we're going to look at how they got to that point. And this is where we need to live. We need to live in this point of God is our refuge and strength. We can't, it, we can't afford to leave that point. I can't afford to go anywhere but in that place of refuge. Next verse. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Amen. Amen. For God is our refuge and strength. For any of you that were wondering what the word refuge means in Hebrew, it means this. It's the word is hasah. It's first, first thing is it calls attention to sin and the wreckage it causes. Okay. In the Old Testament, it is always in the context of a threat. So it's refuge from a threat that's being an accusation, a threat. So the refuge is a place that you go from the threat. Okay. Sometimes the threat is physical. Like an example is you're seeking refuge from a storm. Sometimes it's seeking refuge from the sun, from the shade. You go into the shade, you're seeking refuge from a storm. You're seeking refuge or protection from adversaries. It can be a threat from a spiritual or emotional place. Example of shame, loneliness, maybe anxiety. There's this A word that was on my heart as I was preparing. Anxiety. The Lord just kept saying anxiety. I believe the Lord wants to tear down some anxiety today. Because God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Or we can say, therefore, I will not have anxiety. Amen? Amen? I'm not discounting that it's a real thing. It's real. I'm just saying God's greater. God's bigger than that. God's bigger than any of this list. He's our refuge. He's the place, the second part of refuge. It also, also calls our attention to God's power to save us. So the first part of it is always in the context of threat. The second part of refuge is that it calls attention to God's power to save us. Because he provides shelter in the storm. Vindication in the face of shame. Friendship in times of loneliness. Peace and presence in the times of anxiety. Amen? How many could say, that was weak, Amen. Is God your refuge and strength? Is he an ever-present help in time of trouble? Okay, that's better. I mean, we go to football games. I'm just saying. When I go to football games, I'm in. We go early. I believe there could come a day when, like, revival hits. And people, like have to get to church super early so they can get a spot. Amen. They're waiting outside and they decide, you know what? We should get there early and tailgate. We should bring little barbecues and like have breakfast and play worship music and pray for one another and like have a good time before we go into church because we're going to celebrate and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, when I go to a football game, my voice is gone in the first 10 minutes because I done screamed and yelled and was excited and yelled at the other opponents and told them how we're going to kick their tail. And I mean, I'm in it. So why would we come to church? Just like drag in and uh, I'll get there when I get there. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you serious? God is our refuge and strength. I mean, I mean, if God's never done nothing for you, then you can come to church like that. But if you're like me, see, he lifted me from the pit of despair, up from the bog and the mire, and set my feet on a hard, firm path. 
He restored my life. And I can promise you, nobody, nobody on this planet would have done that for me, especially at that time in my life. And I'm so blessed. I have some friends here today that have seen me at my worst, probably. And they've seen God rescue me. So yeah, they would understand. I'm pretty excited. We should all be that way. Because God has lifted every single one of us from the pit of despair. If we believe, if we could say, yeah, that's my daddy right there, then we should be really excited. Because we're not serving a God who's weak. We're serving a God that's strong, that's mighty in deeds. We're serving a God that is the commander-in-chief of all of heaven's armies. That's why we can not fear. Amen. Maybe I should start our message. If you have your Bibles open, we're going to turn from Psalm 46 and go to 2 Kings. We're not going to read both, both chapters because there's a lot to read. I'm going to try to skim through it, though, and, and pick up some of the highlights. The chapters 18 and 19 of 2 Kings. And for later, if you guys want to take notes and, and go look at the other accounts, um, these other accounts are in 2 Chronicles 32 and Isaiah 36 and 37. Now, don't forget... This word refuge is about threats. How many know the enemy is always accusing and throwing threats, right? Trying to, trying to scare us somehow, shape, or form. Trying to threaten us with something, right? I mean, I don't know. Am I crazy? I, maybe. That's, that's probably debatable. <laughs> but I'm not in that. Yeah, please pray for me. As a matter of fact, anytime you run out of things to pray for, pray for me. I will always accept prayer because prayer is powerful. Second Kings 18 and 19. I want to talk about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king that, oh man, this guy was, he's a stud. He, he went against the grain and the current of all the other kings before him. Israel, Israel had already been um, captured. Um, Samaria had been captured by uh, Assyria. Hezekiah is the king of Judah, the southern part of uh, the kingdom. And all of the previous kings had like, they had, they were, I mean, they were just buck wild. They were worshiping anything and everything. The temple of God was in disarray. There was no, I mean, the Levites, they weren't doing sacrifices to the Lord for the sin anymore. They had got to a point, they were even worshiping. The, remember the bronze statue that Moses made with the snake on the pole? When they would get, when they would get stroke, striked by their snakes... They had raised up the pole. That's what God said. He goes, look upon this. And when you do that, I'll heal you. Which was a type of Christ on the cross Amen. in the New Testament. I won't go into that. But they, were, they got so twisted up that, that something that was a thing that was godly, they started making a god out of that and started worshiping that. This, I mean, they were goofy. Hezekiah goes and just cleans house. He, he wipes out all of the idolatry, every part of it, even destroys that. It's like, you can't even be trusted with that. Takes, takes, tears that apart, melts it down. He cleans house. God's very, very, very pleased with Hezekiah. Hezekiah is, is a godly man. So starting in chapter 18, we're going to say verse 3. It says this about Hezekiah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. 
Boy, I wish, I wish that was something that was recorded in history for me. He did right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all his, David, his father, had done. So he goes on to say, he removed all the high places. Then he goes on in verse 5, says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, or after him, or among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments of the Lord. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He, re he rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. Amen. Now, you got to understand something. This king of Assyria was no joke. No joke. He is conquering everything and everyone. There is no stopping this. And he's very, very, I mean, this has been going on for a while. Kings of Assyria, fathers, generations of just taking ground and wiping nations out. They would take people, they would put rings in their noses, and they would lead them out of their, out of their um, fortified cities and to other countries. They would besiege, they would come and surround their town, starve them out. They would make, they make accusations later on, and they, this is what they're telling Hezekiah and, and the people of Judah. It says, your God is not going to save you. They said, we've, we've seen so many gods, and we've conquered all of them. Who do you think your God is? Like, you're not stopping this. Oh, you think you're going to... Hezekiah had kind of stirred up a little bit of a revolt against Assyria a few years back. He goes, oh, you think your king, you think the king of Egypt's going to come and help? He's like, that staff you're going to try to lean on is going to break in your hand and stab you. Like, I mean, this, this, these guys are, they're no joke. And they, they've got them surrounded. And their full intent is to besiege their country, which means starve them out. Nothing going in or out. They, they did this, they'd spent two or three years. Didn't care. Camped out, we're going to starve you out. Then they would take them, a lot of times put them in a whole other land, not kill them because they were smart enough to realize, let's just enslave them or, or give them back their land, just make them pay taxes. We want their money. But they would put hooks in their nose and lead them out like animals. So Hezekiah is in a tough spot. He gets to a point in chapter 19, and, and mind you, I, there's so much good, you need to go and read all this. This guy's calling out and, and yelling these threats in Hebrew purposely to, to bring fear into the whole, the whole land of Judah and to keep Hezekiah's kingdom. Threats, 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 threats. What does God are? Refuge. A place we go to when the threats are coming. So Hezekiah, when this all happens, and he, he's, he's looking at it not well, he had already told the people, be silent. He had already prepared all these people. He said, look, when they come, be silent. Don't even respond. Pretty wise. We hear in Psalm 46 to be still and know that he's God. Hezekiah prepared his, his people to be still. Now in verse chapter 19, it says, as soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Very wise. He went into the house of the Lord and prayed. And, I, and, uh, and Isaiah tells us that he prayed. Obviously, that's what he went into the house of the Lord for. Then he sends for Isaiah, the man of God, the prophet. He sends for Isaiah. And he says, they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this is the day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring, bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God has heard all the words of the Rabbishek, 
whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to mock the living God and will, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you've heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in them so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. First point out of verse chapter 19, verse 1, is that Isaiah turns to the Lord. I'm mean, sorry, Hezekiah turns to the Lord. In times of crisis, church, we need to turn to the Lord. Too many times when crisis comes, we turn away from the Lord. Too many times when crisis comes, we turn to something other than the Lord. In a time of trial, you turn to what you trust. That's a, that's a hard truth. For some people, the trial comes and it's, where's that pill bottle? I've got to get the lid off. Don't worry, if that's you, I'm going to pick on everyone. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Some people, they have their trust in weapons. So they, they have this huge arsenal of weapons. And I'm not against guns. You know, I, I do believe this. It's better to have one and not need it than to need it and not have it. However, my trust is not in my guns. My trust is in God. Amen? Some people have their trust in alcohol. I've done that. Crisis comes, get a bottle. Even Merle Haggard knew that tonight the bottle let me down. <laughs> I've had my trust in things you could roll up. I've had my trust in things that you can line out. Some of us have had our trust in food. I've done that recently. I didn't even realize. I've cut out a lot of things. The Lord's helped me, deliver me. But something hit the fan the other day, and all of a sudden I'm in the fridge. And I'm just sitting there talking about it, and I'm eating. All of a sudden I'm like, what are you doing? Don't even know what I'm doing. Why? I was going to something to get something instead of going to the Lord. Right? Anything that we turn to in a time of crisis that isn't the Lord... I, well, I'm going to say it. It's probably an idol. Ooh. It should probably come down. Hezekiah was the sharpest and the smartest and the brightest king most loved by God. Why? He destroyed all the idols. And when it hit the fan, he turned to the Lord. Amen? He said, God is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Don't worry, I'm going to stop there. There's a big list. Actually, there's one more. A workaholic. That's the one that like looks and prays itself as something good. And we can justify that one. Well, I got to provide. I got to do this. I got to do that. That's all fine and dandy. But if that's what you turn to when it hits the fan, it's not right. 
You should be turning to the Lord. If you're a Christian, who should you turn to? In the name Christian, there's this word, Christ. It means little Christ, Christian, little Christ. So if we're a Christian and we hit the stressors or the accusations come or the it all hits the fan comes, we turn to Christ. There's a man I love to listen to. His name's Dan Moeller. And he uses this analogy a lot. And, it, and it, it really messed me up. It's still messing me up. He goes, we would think it very strange if I went to the fridge and got out an apple and pressed it and squeezed it to get some apple juice. And when I took a drink, it tasted like orange juice. Wouldn't that be weird? You would be tripping. Like, I'm pretty sure that was an apple. So you'd probably go back and get another one. This is not right. Then we're the same thing. If you went to go squeeze an orange juice and squeezed out all the juice and, you, and it tasted like apple juice, you'd be what in the world? There's something wrong. Then he says this, and this is the one that wrecks me. He goes, so as a Christian, when we get squeezed, what should come out? And it should be just as bizarre, church, when we do get pressed, if something besides Christ comes out. It should be like, what was that? Right? I mean, that, that's a pretty serious standard, but it's the truth. And we need to address it. Like when, when stuff comes out of me, when I'm pressed, that isn't like Christ, I'm not okay with it. I go like, what was that? That wasn't Christ. And I got to go back and get in front of the Lord and go, Lord, I'm sorry. There's still some stuff in there that don't need to be in there. Because you squeezed me and something else came out. Right? Amen? All right. So when we're going to squeeze orange juice and it tastes really funny, we would be like, whoa, something's wrong. But for some reason, as Christians, we get squeezed and all kinds of other stuff comes out and we just think it's normal. Well, praise the Lord, brother, God's grace. No, that's not, the, that's not even truth. God's grace teaches us to not sin. The grace of God, when you've experienced his grace, you don't even want to sin. You want to stay as far from it as you can, not because of legalistic stuff, because you're in love with this guy that took you out of the sin and established you in righteousness. And you don't want nothing to do with it. And when it does come out, you're like, oh, that dude's got to die. Right? It's not okay. We didn't just be like, oh, praise the Lord, God's grace. No, it was God's blood. It was his son that went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. So we don't tread on that. That's not legalistic. That's love. I love Jesus so much. I don't want to offend him. I don't want to take what he did for me lightly. So I'm going to spend time before him and have him wreck my life in such a way that the old dude is not recognizable. That's my, de- my desire someday to just have Jesus flowing out of me. Remember Donnell? This is a friend of mine, Chad. We went to Team Challenge together and graduated together and went to war together and fought each just about. I mean, good Lord, the two people you would never think God would put together. We hated each other to start. God's grace. His mercy. It's so awesome. We don't take that for we don't take that lightly. We don't trample it. We don't 
We don't just, oh, it's just how it is. Well, I heard this one. It drives me nuts. Well, Romans 7, Paul said, read Romans 6, 7, and 8 together. Actually, why don't you go back and read 5, 6, 7, and 8 together? And then tell me what Romans 7 says. A crisis doesn't make a person. A crisis reveals a person. James said, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds, because the trying of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you will be complete, not lacking any good thing. So we count it all joy when we face trials. Not because of praise Jesus, we faced a trial. No, I'm praising Jesus because that trial is working out some stuff in me. That trial is transforming me to become like Jesus. Because I need to become like Jesus. I need to become like Jesus. Donnell. Me and Chad were blessed to be in the presence of a man who was a missionary to Japan for 40 years, right after World War II. Right after we dropped two nuclear bombs on them. Nobody wants to go there and be a missionary. But, but him and his wife say, they go, where, where do you want to go? We wanted to go to Japan. We Americans want to go to Japan and, and be missionaries there. They need the love of Christ. I've never seen another human being that's alive with more of Christ coming out of them. It was like when you would hug him, like you hug Jesus. Wasn't it? It was just the love of Christ just came out of him. God was his refuge and his strength. He got diagnosed with cancer, and he literally said it's a joy. Remember? He wasn't kidding. He wasn't like being these weird Christians that say stuff that they don't mean. He truly said, this is a joy. He goes, I get to go in there all the time, and now, now I get to witness to a whole new group of people. God's going to heal me. Right? He would, he's getting all these, they're doing, all, oh, they're going to do their treatments, but I know God's going to heal me. This is just another opportunity. And guess what? God healed him. And it was another opportunity. That's, God is our refuge and strength, church. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. In times of crisis, we must turn to him. First big point. Whatever is in your life that you turn to that's not him, get rid of it. It could be your phone. I made, well, about 95% of everyone in here mad. <laughs> it's not, my, not what I'm trying to do. But if we spend more time with that thing than we do before his face, something could be wrong. And then we wonder why there's no power in the church, not us. The church, you guys. Right? Or for you could say, well, I don't know what's wrong with that pastor. He prayed for me and nothing happened. Right? I know none of you would ever say that. Better change the page. Second Kings chapter 19 goes into verse 6. He tells them, do not be afraid. Actually, for the full account of the do not be afraid thing, it's in 2 Chronicles. I'm going to turn there real quick. You don't have to. Um, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 7 and 8. This is what Hezekiah told his people. 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, mind you, this is no small thing. You got to realize this is like, say, how would we, I don't know, like World War III and everyone's mad at us. And we have half of our military force that we have now, or maybe a quarter of it, because the northern part of uh, Israel has already been taken. So they're not in a good place. He says, don't be afraid. I serve a big God. That's what Hezekiah said. He goes, yeah, they got a strong natural arm, but I got a strong supernatural God. Amen? Amen. How many has a strong supernatural God in the house? Come on. Do not be afraid is our second point. What does the enemy want you to be? Afraid. What does he want you to have? Anxiety. Fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Amen? If God hasn't given it to you, then who's given it to you? Do you want anything he gives to you? No. Does that mean we can reject it? Yes. No, thank you. I'm going to pass on that today. Give it to someone else. Well, you made it sound easy. Yes. Our supernatural God made it that easy. He lives inside of us with supernatural power that, that lives in us that raised Christ from the dead. See, we look at everything in the natural. I'm talking supernatural. I, we don't need the natural. I see enough of that. I got enough of that. I need the supernatural. I need to like, Lord, do your thing. Do the God stuff that I can't do. Right? Don't be afraid. Joshua 1.9, this is what God commanded Joshua before he took over. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. The Lord, your God, is with you, church, wherever you go. You notice it didn't say the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you sit. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you stay. No, it said the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. He's not even concerned where. Just go. No, I'm serious. He's not concerned with that. We get all concerned with that. I remember being a baby Christian, newly go, oh my gosh, what's God's will for me? What's will? I don't want to step out of his will, which is a good thing, but good Lord. This just said, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. The limits just went away. The walls just went away. God's a God of freedom. So like, guess what? Anywhere you go, I'm going with you. Is that a good thing? Is there a reason to be afraid in any of the places you go? No. No. Why? Because God's our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Amen? And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Can can we trust that? Yeah, because he could be everywhere at once. That is so awesome. That's God stuff. Joe, you can go to China 
and I can go to Mexico, and he's with us. Or I can stay here, and you can go all over the place, and he's here. Do we believe that? Okay, good. Alexander the Great said, said this statement, and I've, I've loved it for a long time, but it really means a lot more now. He said this, I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. He said, I'm afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Church, we are sheep, but we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is king. Guess what? I am not the lion. Men, we are not the lion. We want to be the lion. We see the problem and we want to, I'll go handle that. And then we come back all beat up and broke. Man, I've been that guy before. I got this. Oh. Oh, man. God's saying, hey, why don't you just have a seat? I got this. I'm the Lion King. <laughs> Hakuma Matata, right? No worries. <laughs> We're supposed to be sheep. We are sheep. We're dumb. We don't know what we're doing. We need to be following the lion. If we're following the lion, we're good, right? Amen. Not going to be afraid. Third point. Psalm 46.10 tells us to be still and know that he is God. 2 Kings chapter 19, 32 and 37. Well, let me, let me bring you up to speed real quick. So these, these, these threats are continuing to go on. Um, Hezekiah is a sta- just, a, just a stallion. In the other, other, other passages, he knew, that, he knew this king was coming, so he stopped up all the wells that were outside the city of the wall. He stopped them all up. He's like, why should they have water easily? Let's just stop them all up. I was doing some study on this, and they say there's not a river that doesn't, there's not a river that runs through Israel. Well, that's true. However, there's a spring, and there's a spring that runs underground. They dug it out to where they could be sitting besieged for as long as they want, and there's a spring being fed into the city. Like, you got no water. Go way out there and go get you some water. You thirsty? I'm going to sit inside here and have a cool drink. So in Psalms, when we see that he is a river, yeah, he's that river. That while the enemy's out there, we're threatening, we can sit back and be in our refuge and be getting fed some cool living water. Amen? Amen. There's a river inside that a lot of people don't know about. Jesus said it would spring up with inside of us, right? Right? He said we can drink of it and never thirst again. Amen? We're supposed to share that water. Amen? Be still and know he's God. Let him fight for you. It's hard to be still. We want to always be doing something. But God's telling us, be still. Be still. No, I'm God. You're not God. Remember the man that came and said, we got to get off the throne? I've never forget that. Sometimes I try to half it with Jesus. Can I sit up here? He's like, you said you want me to be king, right? Yep. Okay, you can't share the throne. That means 
You don't get a part in this. He's the king. We go to him. We don't, I mean, so we try to bring, here, God, how about this idea? Thank God he's so awesome times that he's like, yeah, go for it. It's in my will. Go for it. But we're not sitting there trying to tell him what to do, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you can. It doesn't do any good. In 46, Psalm 46, oh, where'd I go? There's two, twice it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. He closes in verse 11 of the chapter, the Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts means this, that he's the God of the armies of heaven. The God of the armies of heaven is with us. The Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven is with us. That's supernatural. Like, you remember the story, I believe it was, was it Elijah? It was either Elijah or Elisha. They're surrounded by a king. They're trying to kill the prophet because the prophet kept letting the, the uh, commander know where, the, where they were at. So they said, let's go kill this prophet. So the servant of Elijah goes outside and sees they're surrounded. And he's freaked out, stresses out, comes to Elijah, and Elijah goes... Lord, open my servant's eyes. He just prays, open his eyes. Elijah didn't even go outside to even look. He didn't care what the army around him looked like. He just prayed, Lord, open my servant's eyes. So then the servant goes back out there and he sees all of heaven's armies surrounding him. And he's like, we're good. <laughs> right? God is our refuge and strength. He's the Lord of hosts. I mean, if you can get this, He's the commander-in-chief of all of heaven's armies. We're good. We're really good. I don't care what accusations the enemy's bringing. I don't care what kind of fear he wants to bring. We're good. God's our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. That's the biggest trick of the enemy is to get us to start operating out of fear. We will pray out of a place of fear and think we're going to result something. You're not. You're operating out of a foreign spirit. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. We don't pray from a place of fear. We pray from a place of strength, knowing who our God is. My God is the king of the universe. My God is the commander-in-chief of all of heaven's armies. My God resurrected from the dead. My God lives inside of me. My God has given me all the authority that Pastor Jay is going to be preaching on, I think, for the next three weeks. We're setting them up here. My God has given me authority to say to this mountain, be moved, and it shall be moved. My God has given me the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It lives in us, and it wants to get out. But we've got to recognize that he's my refuge and strength. I'm not going to turn to other things. I'm going to turn to him. And when we turn to him, we will have the power. Come on. Jesus is king. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Are we following him? God is our refuge and strength, church. 
Let me tell you how this goes down. Hezekiah gets a letter from the king. That's from the king of Assyria. And it's all bad, okay? I'm going to Reader's Digest. It's all bad news. So Hezekiah, he don't even turn and, and ask for Isaiah this time. He just goes straight back into the house of the Lord, takes this letter, takes this document of bad news, and he just goes in and lays it before the Lord. He lays it out there. He doesn't deny its existence. You're going, okay. I want to read it. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of, of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria has laid waste to nations in their lands and has cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands. He goes on and says, So now, Lord God, save us, please, from this hand. You see that he says, Truly, he's not denying what this king has done. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria has laid waste to all these nations in their lands. For some reason in the church today, we think that we have to not tell the truth. Well, I can't say that that's what the doctor said. You hearing me? Yes. Somehow the church has gotten weird all of a sudden. We got into this weirdness about, well, I can't say that. What? It's the truth. Look, if I go to the doctor and I get diagnosed with something and I'm sick and that's what my diagnosis is, that's the truth. But this is also the truth. God is my refuge and strength. Yes. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Amen. Is that the truth? Yeah, but not, I believe it, but not for long. Amen. That's a diagnosis. I don't run around, I don't believe it, I don't believe it, I don't, it's not true. That's, that'd be like Hezekiah going, the king of Assyria hasn't done anything. He hasn't conquered all these nations. He hasn't done all this stuff. The truth is he did. But here's a bigger truth. We serve a pretty powerful God. That is my refuge and strength. And yeah, okay, I got a diagnosis. Lay it before the Lord. I got a word of something that's scary. Put it before the Lord. Lord, do you see this? Lord, are you seeing this? I'm your son. Are you seeing this? This is what they're saying. Lord, I put my trust in you. Are you seeing this? I don't like this. That's true. I don't like it. I know you don't like it. Can you do something with this? I can't. But I know you can. God's my refuge and strength, church. An ever-present help. That means he'll never leave. In times of what? Trouble. Doesn't mean that there's not trouble. I don't believe it. I'm not going to listen to it. Da, 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 da. That's some weird stuff. How about acknowledge, yeah, but my God's bigger. Huh, John? John got a diagnosis. John got prayed for last week. John got a great report. Yeah. Little Gabriel, how this whole thing started, got a great report. No more cancer. Yeah. Be still and know that he's God. 
Lay that report out there before him. You want to know what happens after that? Isaiah happens to give a report. He says, hey, here's a free word. Hezekiah didn't even ask Isaiah for a word. But uh, Isaiah says, hey, just in case you were wondering, the Lord heard your prayer. Let me tell you what he's going to do. So he gives this whole just, oh, it's so awesome. He starts off by saying this. I'm just going to give you a little piece of it. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word of the Lord has spoken concerning him. Now God speaks concerning him and says this, she despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Now I get a huge crack up out of this because you can't tell me God don't have a sense of humor. Okay, here's this huge king of Syria that's been doing all these blasts, all these threats, conquering all kinds of stuff. And God's response is, is speaking of, of Judah, she despises you. The virgin daughter of Zion, she wags her head behind you. Uh-uh. <laughs> right? You're not even like, hey, check this out. I'm going to raise up Jerusalem, and they're going to come knock you out. And they're, God's not, he's just like, she despises you. She wags her head behind you, my virgin daughter Israel. That's who's going to come handle you. That's how it starts. It gets better. <laughs> it gets better. I can't even, I mean, I wish I could. We don't got time. We don't. <laughs> but let's go to verse 32. Here's the conclusion. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Now check, check this out. And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. That's a whole lot of folks. 185,000 while the children of Judah were doing this? Be still and know that I am God. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind's fixed on him. 185. It says, when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. So I don't know how many more than the 185,000, but there's a whole lot of other folks that woke up and they decided, let's not spend another night here. <laughs> you think? I think it's time to pack camp and get out. Right? You wake up and 185,000 of your closest friends are all dead. It's time to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived in Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrak, his god, Adramelech and Sherezer, what names, huh? His son struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ariad, and Ershadon, his son, reigned in his place. <laughs> For our God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. I don't care how big your trouble is. He don't care either, because it ain't squat to him. He's big. 
Yeah. Our stuff's like little. And somehow we let this little stuff get really big. And we turn to other things except for turning to him, the one who can handle it all, and says, why don't you just like turn to me, don't be afraid, and be still, and know that I'm God. Amen. We can do that. Like, that's doable. Can we do that? Yes. How many, like seriously, you, you've got some stuff. If you've got paperwork with your stuff, I said go lay it before the Lord. Put your faith and trust in the Lord. Don't run around in this false faith thing and pretend like it doesn't exist. So what? It exists. But I serve a supernatural God that exists way more than that. It, he's way more real than that is. He's way more powerful. So we're not going to fear, church. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There's that go again. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, which means be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. That's how Matthew closes up. It's the last words in the book of Matthew. Jesus' words saying, be sure of this, I'm with you. Even unto the end of the age. Be sure of this, I'm an ever-present help in time of trouble. Be sure of this, I haven't left you. How many has ever said, God, where are you at? It hits the fan. Where are you at? Are you not seeing this? Church, he hasn't went anywhere. We've went somewhere. We've left the place of refuge. We've left the place of strength. God hasn't left us. He's with us. We just got to get our eyes back on him. We got to get back into his word and hear the truth and, and realize that he hasn't left me. He loves me. No matter what's happened, he loves you. If we will put our faith and trust in him, it will not be ill-advised. There's nothing that's going to come to you. Faith will be a, a shield. All to conquer all the darts of the fiery enemy, all the accusation, all the threats. Faith is the shield. The sword is the word. That's how we battle. The biggest battle is this anxiety is not realizing that God is our refuge and strength. It's fear. Fear's a liar. Fear's a liar. Fear's not the truth. The truth is he'll never leave you. The truth is you're going to be just fine. The truth is, is there's peace. The enemy uses fear and doubt, two biggest tools of his. We don't have to accept them. We can say, no, thank you. I'm going to pass on the fear today. No, thank you. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. See, that partial trust stuff don't work. God's a God of all. He don't play games. I tried playing games with God a long time. He don't play. He's like, hey, let's play. He's, nope. How about I'll do this and I'll do that, but I want it. Nope. He don't play. He skipped recess, Chad. <laughs> God don't play. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Why don't you stand with me?
God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Now let me reread Psalm 46 to you, okay? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Now remember, this is where Psalm 46 comes from. All those chapters, the stuff we just read. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. I read somewhere that his mercies are fresh and new every morning. I believe it's Jeremiah. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of angels' armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It means he's our stronghold, our high tower. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. I pray, God, that anyone today under the sound of my voice has been dealing with anxiety or depression or fear or any of those evil spirits, I pray, God, that you would just break them right now in the name of Jesus. I declare freedom and liberty in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for any of us that have been turning to other things except for turning to you. Lord, we lay them at the feet of the cross right now. Lord, we lay them on the altar. God, I ask that you consume them. Consume them. Lord, restore our trust in you. Lord, let us not turn to anything but you. Open the eyes of our heart, God, to see clearly. Remove the scales from our eyes. Lord, let us judge ourselves correctly. Lord, teach us to be still. Lord, the enemy wants to get us all stirred up and make quick decisions and do this and that and the other. Lord, I pray that we would learn to be still and recognize that you are God. That you are the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords. You're the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, remind us to be sheep. We thank you that you are our refuge and strength. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that you are the answer. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that the threats of the enemy would begin to just fall. Lord, the lies of the enemy that are, that are even coming now, I pray, God, you raise up a standard against them. I pray, God, that you disarm them in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the truth of the gospel be established in each one of our hearts. Lord, we thank you. You're so good to us. You're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. Let's just praise the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God.
You're good. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, Lord. We glorify you, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's none like you. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the Commander-in-Chief of all of heaven's armies. We exalt you today, God. We glorify you, Lord. We give it all to you, Lord. We give it all to you. We lay every diagnosis at your feet. We lay every uh, lie at your feet. We lay every spirit at your feet. We will not entertain them any longer. We reject the lies of the enemy. Holy Spirit, come right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Freedom, come right now. Liberty, come right now. Fear, you're a liar. You have no place here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there's any of you that would like prayer, you can come forward to this altar. We're going to have some music. Uh, if you guys could put some music on in the back. If you don't have any, I'll have someone come play piano. Um, if there's anyone who would like to, you feel that you need um, someone to lay hands on you, to anoint you with oil, you've been battling maybe fear and anxiety or depression or whatever it may be, it's going to bow. It has to bow at the foot of Jesus. He's put that authority in us, and I believe him. He's never failed me. He's never lied to me. So any, any issues, if there's healing that needs to happen, we're going to lay hands on you and pray for your healing. If there's... Uh, Anything that, that you know, I, you say, I need a supernatural God to do that because I can't, then we're going to pray and believe with you, okay? If you need to be dismissed and you'd like to go, you are dismissed. If you'd like to stay and receive prayer, um, last, last Sunday, John got touched, okay, church? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Don't be afraid. Thanks for listening to my station. You can listen to my album, song, station, and playlist on demand for same day or night. Pastor Dan will be sharing a new track with us next week. Your strength that found me at my weakest Your grace poured out in my despair When I feel hopeless, tired, burned out and defeated Your perfect love will find me
told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight when he told you you're not worthy when he told you you're not loved when he told you you're not beautiful you'll never be enough
it's a liar. Trap out. 